0: You're listening, listening to, so Bible, to Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible hello everyone and thanks for tuning in to the seesaw Bible plus podcast today we come to mark chapter chapter 12 a great chapter and it starts off with the Lord speaking in a parable and he talks about a man who plants a vineyard he leases out this vineyard to the vine dressers the man sends slaves uh, to bring back fruit from the vineyard to the master but the vine dressers instead of cooperating with the slaves listening to the slaves they beat the slaves and kill the slaves. And then the master of the vineyard, he sends, in verse 6 it says, "You know he had won a beloved son, and he sends his only beloved son to these vine dressers, and the vine dress, dressers end up killing the master of the vineyard's only beloved son. So what's going on here? Who do we have involved? Well, the man who owns the vineyard, that's God. The vineyard is Jerusalem, and the vine dressers are The leaders of the Jews. And, you know, the slaves that are being sent again and again and again to these vine dressers are the Old Testament prophets that were sent from God to speak to God's people that the Jews beat and killed some of them. And then, of course, verse 6 the only beloved son of the master of the vineyard. We know that's the Lord Jesus Christ as God's son. Uh, who is the only beloved son of God? Um, he gets killed by the vine dressers, and it's interesting at the end of this parable, the Lord he mentions in verse ten it says, "Have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected, this has become the head of the corner. so after describing how these vine dressers they kill the only beloved son of the master of the vineyard." The Lord says the stone which the builders rejected the stone which is the Lord Jesus himself the builders supposed to be the Jews they rejected him um, again and again and again until finally they actually killed him this this Christ the Lord Jesus he has now become head of the corner pointing to God's desire to have a building and Christ uh, as God's son as a man passing through human living death and resurrection has now ascended and in God's building, he is the head of the corner. So he is a part of the building and he is also building up God's house, the church. And actually in the book of Mark, verse 10 here, that's the only reference, uh, really explicit reference to God's building, the church. So moving on to the next portion in Mark here, we have another test and examination by the Pharisees and the Herodians. And what we have going on here is that they're working together. They try to trick the Lord into displaying disobedience to Caesar. So they tell the Lord, we know you don't regard the person of men. Uh, what Basically, what should we do? And, you know, Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? How do we consider this situation? The Lord tells them, <coughs> excuse me, to bring them a denarius that he may look at it. Of course, they have one. And the Lord, he has a great response to this. In verses 16 and 17, he says, Whose is this image and inscription? And they said to him, Caesar's. And in 17, and Jesus said to them, The things that are Caesar's rendered to Caesar, and the things that are God's to God. And they marveled greatly at him. I love this because the Lord, he answered them in the way of life. And that denarius, it had Caesar's inscriptions on it, so give it to Caesar. But what has God's image and what has God's inscription? Well, the Bible tells at the very beginning, man was made in God's image with God's likeness. So we as human beings having God's image, we should render ourselves to God because we belong to him and especially as believers that have been blood-bought. We have been purchased by God through the precious redemption of Christ and paying the ultimate price of shedding His blood for us that we could be brought back to God. We now belong to Him. We've been inscribed with His name, and we should render ourselves to God in such a way that we give the Lord the first place and the ultimate freedom to do whatever He wants in us, through us, and with us. The next session continues with another testing and examination by the Sadducees, which is interesting because this examination concerns the resurrection, and the Sadducees don't even believe in the resurrection. And so, what happens is there's seven brothers. The first one marries a wife, and they don't have any kids. And it keeps going on and on. This first one dies, and then the, there's no seed. So the wife marries brother number two. There's no seed. The brother dies etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all the way down to number seven, and they ask in resurrection, who's going to be married to this gal? Because all seven brothers were married to her. Well, the Lord doesn't answer them again in in the way of doctrine so much, but in the way of life, and He points them to God, who is the God of resurrection. And we see that here in verse 27. The Lord tells us, He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And I like this because I'm always reminded: Yes, God is my God. Uh, I believe into Him. I belong to Him. But practically in my daily life, is He my God? Because it says here, God is not the God of the dead. So when I find myself in a dead condition. Obviously, I'm alive physically, but when I'm spiritually dead, when I've been exposed to spiritual death and, you know, the Lord's life isn't flowing in me and bubbling up. Um, God in that, in those instances is not so much my God because he says he's not the God of the dead, but of the living. But when we are enjoying Christ as life, when we're being filled with Him, when life is flowing within and through us and out of us, that is a sure moment experientially that God is our God because God is the God of the living. He is ones, He's the God of those who are enjoying Him, enjoying Christ as life, enjoying the resurrection life, and expressing it here on earth in their daily life. We continue. There's another discussion that the Lord has uh, with a scribe. And, you know, this scribe, he asked the Lord, what is the first commandment of all? And classic, we all know the Lord's response. It's, uh, he says, love the Lord your God from your whole heart and from your whole soul and from your whole mind and from your whole strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think it's worth just considering really quick. What does it mean to love the Lord your God from your whole heart, whole soul, whole mind, and whole strength? Well, you can sing our heart. Our heart is where we come up with our purposes, and that's where our desires are. So I just hope that in loving the Lord with our whole heart, we would desire Him and we would purpose within to pursue Him and to be one with Him, to know Him. And to be involved with his purpose as well. That would be a couple of instances of loving him from our whole heart and then our whole soul. Loving him with our whole soul. Our soul includes our mind, emotion, and will. And so, with our emotion, are we allow, are we gravitating towards the Lord in a way of affection, in a way of being personal with him? Are we choosing him with our will and our decisions? And then, you know, with the mind, that's actually brought up in the next little phrase here. It says the whole soul from the whole mind. You know, our mind is where we do our thinking. It's where our thoughts are occupied. And what are we thinking about during the day when we have some downtime? What occupies our mind? What fills our thoughts? We hope that our... Many times throughout the day, we would be loving the Lord with our mind by considering Him, thinking about Him, diving into the Word, to study the Word, to know the Word more. Of course, this study is, you know, anytime we want to think about the Lord, we also want to be loving Him with our entire being, with our heart and our soul at the same time, not just a mental exercise. And of course, the Lord finishing this sentence here, loving Him with our whole strength. So even our physical body is involved. And so the Lord here is hitting this matter of loving Him. It starts all the way from the deepest part of our being, all the way to our outermost part. It involves our spirit, our soul, and our body in loving the Lord. And it's wonderful that He actually, we have a God who commands us to love Him. It's quite incredible. And then finishing up here with Mark chapter 12, the Lord, he, he muzzles everybody's mouths because he's been questioned a lot, and then he asked them a question talking about uh, the son of David and Christ, who is Christ, and the, uh, the Lord, he points them to the Old Testament and how David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies underneath your feet. And Jesus says, David himself calls him Lord, but how is he his son? And the great crowd heard him gladly. So the Lord, he, he really threw a, threw a curveball to all the ones that were hearing this question from him. But this question points to Jesus Christ is not only the Lord of David, but also the son of David. And as the Lord of David, he is divine. He is eternal. He is God. And as the son of David, he is 100% man with blood and flesh. So this portion right here points to Christ as the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. And then Mark chapter 12 finishes up here with a warning to the scribes that the Lord gives them. And then the Lord praises the poor widow who gives out of her lack. Uh, She cast in two lepta into the treasury of the temple. And out of her lack, she gave more than all the others. So that concludes Mark chapter 12. And thanks so much again for listening and have a wonderful day in Christ.